This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and uh, this episode's guest is Aaron Thompson, a.k.a. Small Hands, a.k.a. Empty Streets. Uh, if you are not familiar with who he is, well, we had his uh, wife on a couple of weeks ago, Joanna Angel. Uh, this is basically the other part uh, of part of the conversation we had with Joanna a few weeks ago. Um, Aaron, basically someone I wanted to have on just because he's a very interesting performer uh, in the adult entertainment industry, as well as just, you know, as you're going to hear, uh, a very fascinating person uh, who has lived many, many different lives. Uh, but once I kind of was talking with Joanna about how the Dooms Whiskey Company that him and uh, Joanna had started, came to be, and then found out essentially that Aaron kind of was used to be a former craft cocktail bar tender and was really big in that scene for a while. And so once I kind of knew that, I was like, well, I mean, there's probably plenty of stories uh, in starting your own whiskey company uh, that, you know, she wasn't able to really provide. And I did find it funny when I was talking to Joanna, when I was like, you know, how did you come up with this, this unique flavor uh, for, a, for a rye whiskey, especially? And she was like, oh, that was all Aaron. So it was kind of funny when I was talking to Aaron uh, and going, you know, how did you find getting into this business? Because, you know, your wife basically said uh, it's more shysty than, you know, the music business or even the porn industry. Uh, he was like, oh, I didn't fucking do any of that. So I think that is the very interesting thing. Uh, if you pay attention to the two of them, they have a very interesting working dynamic. Uh, they do a lot of things together. They're very supportive of one another, as husband and wife should be. And they just, uh, you know, kind of take things on together and conquer a lot of uh, different facets of things. They just are very passionate about what they are passionate about. Um, so that's very inspiring and definitely one why I wanted to have both of them on. 
it would be kind of cool to talk to him a little bit more kind of about working together. Uh, many years ago, you know, I've had a couple of different husband and wives uh, on the show, and I always find it's interesting when you work with your spouse so hand in hand, uh, how that is, um, you know, how are you able to kind of traverse those things? But uh, maybe that'll be something we end up doing down the road uh, if Aaron and Joanna are interested in, in talking about that and sharing that part of their lives. Um, but the main reason Aaron actually came on was to talk about uh, the Age of Regret EP, which is coming out this summer via Cleopatra Records. Uh, you know, how it kind of came to be working with a label, uh, you know, and just kind of being involved in that. Uh, I know Aaron is is very kind of a DIY kind of person. You know, you kind of came up in the, you know, touring scene of, you know, small, you know, punk rock bands and rock bands and so forth. Um, so it was one of those things where it's like, you know, when you're kind of just doing this thing because it's what you want to do and then someone goes, hey, we'd like to put that out for you. It's like, okay, like, what does that look like now? Like, what are some, were there con- some concessions that you were like, ah, I'm a little trepidatious about signing with a, a label, but, um, you know, really interesting conversation. I- I'm very much looking forward to, to getting this one out to you guys, uh, as well as, you know, just... Uh, continuing to see what Aaron does moving forward. Uh, as if you follow him on Instagram, which we'll do all the plugs in a couple of minutes, uh, you will, you know, find that he already is, you know, tracking vocals, uh, as you will hear in this interview as well, uh, for new music that basically is constantly writing. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to everyone getting to hear this EP. Uh, I think it's going to surprise some people um, with what's on there. And I'm really interested to kind of see what happens moving forward uh, with Empty Streets. Without further ado, this is my conversation with Aaron Thompson, and we will talk to you real quickly on the other side of it. introduction uh had the pleasure of talking to aaron aka small hands aka empty streets um whose ep age of regrets is coming out i don't know if there's officially a release date it just says the summer as of now via cleopatra yeah, records um, well basically uh, i was gonna put it out on uh my birthday which is june 25th uh but that was before I got a record deal. So now, now, <laughs> so now that now there's people involved and now we're, we're, you know, we're figuring out some things, but it'll still come out on um, the summer. And I'm still thinking about the same time. I just don't have the exact date yet. I guess that's a fun thing. Like, you know, obviously you created this project uh, for just fun, uh, something to do. And now you have a team and people that are kind of maybe not necessarily telling you what you can and can't do, but maybe looking at it going, well, it'd be better if you were to release this in this quarter of the year, because, you know, trying to get numbers and streaming and so forth and and getting a good proper rollout for this. How has that kind of been a changing uh, the rollout for this and just kind of what this is, what this is becoming? Um, It really hasn't changed almost anything. Um, I'm still in total creative control you know, I, since this is like a solo act, I write everything, I play all the instruments, it, I do the graphics myself, I do the photo, you know, I do it all. <laughs> so so it, it's still totally me. Uh, I just now have some some help and some resources, which is awesome. Um, you know, I, I've, I put out a record myself last summer. This will be the second, this will be the follow-up. And I've been making, you know, even before porn, I was in bands touring the whole world um, for years. So it's not like I did this just for fun. I always had the plan to, to, to you know, there was always a master plan for this. Um, I just didn't think in 2021 a label was something I cared about because mm. you don't really quote need one anymore. But 
they are the right kind of people after talking to them and um, their labels iconic. I mean, just to be on that roster, so many legends is, is that's enough for me, you know? Yeah. I know like uh, someone I'm trying to work on getting on that. I think you're actually label mates with, excuse me, is a uh, Eden boy, uh, which is very much like a him uh, offshoot, basically. Like oh, cool. he's filling. I, I've never nope. even heard. What, what does he go by? He goes by Eden Boy, and I uh, I forget what the the band name is, but basically they're using it's it's very much uh, like Deep Shadows, Razorblade Romance era kind of him. Okay, well, that uh, is the, that's the best him. <laughs> that's the best uh, era. I, I think. You know, I, think. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually getting ready to do. That's like one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and to uh, another podcast I do with my co-host, uh, we talk about discographies, and that's going to be something that we're talking about pretty soon and he went from because the lincoln park record is the one we're doing before and then we're doing him so on the same night we're doing those two and he goes in comparison him's first record sounds like slayer after that last <laughs> lincoln park record and i was like yeah i was like you're not really gonna get this this version of him until around venus doom uh again when they start doing that six seven eight minute long kind of sludgy shit yeah um, that's where i they lost me i i ah. kind of like the what was it deep deep shadows and, and brilliant highlights uh, yep uh, that era in the in the pink and i actually i remember because man and when i was in high school it was all about him you know because yeah. we were kids who grew up watching cky and J the jackass vhs tapes <laughs> before you know <laughs> uh not to date not to date myself but you know um and i actually have still to this day uh import a cd that says her on it because there was Same. another band called him so i have this weird cd that just says her <laughs> so yeah. funny quick story tangent about that um i live here in michigan and so we're right near chicago and there was this band called him uh that i thought was going to be that band because they had heard him was actually touring the states mm -hmm. and i started calling this club because i couldn't find anything out about it there was no hardogram stuff and i was mm -hmm. like this is really weird and i found out that basically the band that was causing that legal dispute over the name was this band they're like a jazz fusion <laughs> band from chicago and they wouldn't change the name for the longest time so then obviously him changed their name to her and i equally have a i have a promo i think i sold that thing for like 300 bucks a while back uh, but then I was able to get a sealed copy of Razorblade Romance under the harmonicer that I still have. So I was like, that's eh, a fair trade. Yeah. But, um, nice, no. nice little bits of, of random nostalgia. <laughs> it's uh, I feel like as I get older, maybe you're the same. I, I just buy my youth. Like, as you sort of can see over here, like I just <laughs> yeah. bought these three Aaliyah skate decks on the last couple of months, Love like it. being a huge Aaliyah fan. And people are like, why? Why? And I'm like, I don't know, because I was really into her as a kid and there just wasn't anything of hers back then. And same right, with like the right. him stuff. Like, it's just fun to collect weird stuff now. For sure. For sure. With with Empty Streets and you kind of saying that you've always been touring and always being into bands. I was I shouldn't say I was surprised by the sound of the, the EP, but I... I, it does make me wonder, knowing that you're kind of more into like punk rock and rock and roll and stuff like that, and this isn't necessarily that, that it makes me wonder if we'll see more of that coming out under the Empty Streets moniker, or is this going to be a thing that's kind of maybe ever evolving as you're kind of putting stuff out? Right. So basically, uh, first of all, like I look like a punk rock guy, but looks can be deceiving. You know, I've always listened to so much music like every genre everything under the sun you know I, I was born uh in san diego right on the tijuana border and my dad was a, a christian pastor mm -hmm. so the music of my youth is 
gangster rap from the neighborhood, mariachi <laughs> and gospel. And I never even heard a punk band until I moved into a more white part of town when I was like 11 and then started seeing kids with Green Day and Nirvana shirts and shit. Um, so although I'm a quote, you know, a punk rock guy at heart, and that's probably what I identify with the most. It's the scene that kind of gave me my my whole identity, for lack of a better word. I've always listen to other genres and um, specifically like for empty streets it's more like electronic and a little darker based so stuff like Depeche Mode, VNV Nation, um, you know of course like Nine Inch Nails, um, even like some dance music like Robin and stuff like that. Uh, I've listened to that since high school I just don't really you can't tell by looking at it. <laughs> it's funny you say that we were just in uh, <clears throat> San Antonio uh, this past week and uh, we stopped in at a gay bar on our like travels around and they had an internet jukebox. So we threw on some stuff and it was funny because, you know, being a heavily tattooed person myself, you know, I think I threw on some Robin, some Beyonce and some other stuff that I just wanted to hear. And yeah. it's like, you know, 1 PM, but the, in the, in the club, it's, it looks like a club at fucking one o'clock. <laughs> and I just remember like, we walk in, so we like play the music and this dude across the bar is like, do you guys play this? And we're like, yeah. And he was like, ah, buy them shots. We're buying shots. Nice. Hey, and I was just the, like the power of the, the dance beat, baby. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, I mean, it's funny that it's like Robin, uh, I mean, kind of even again, talking about nostalgia, you know, Robin, when she came out in the early nineties, when I think presumably we're roughly around the same age, like I'm in 30, I'll be 37 in a couple months. So I, think I got you beat 38. Okay. okay. So we're, we're in the same time frame, but it's like when Robin came out with show me love and stuff like that, it's like, that was the Robin that I thought and was just kind of a throwaway pop star. And then you see her, you know, come out, not that she really went away, but mainstream wise, you know, went back overseas to Europe and kind of built your name up in the, the kind of underground club scene. And then comes mm -hmm. out with the fucking smash dancing on my own. And like, Jesus Christ, what a fucking banger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, I definitely hear things like that. I, I mean, even Dance With You, actually, kind of speaking, almost paralleling uh, song titles, mm -hmm. was the one of the first tracks I, like, immediately was drawn to when listening to this record because it just, at the moment when it comes into the record, there's not really a song like that. Um, yeah, it kind it's of probably feels... Probably the, the brightest quote, uh, you know. It, my songs are you all very dark, mm -hmm. both... Uh, in lyric content and sort of sound. Um, but I do like, I have, if you can't tell, uh, I have a love of pop music. So melodies and hooks and harmonies, I just like to make them sad. <laughs> so even, even though dance with you has an upbeat tone to it, it's still a very depressing song. If yeah. You actually listen to the yeah. words. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, it's funny. You chose kind of more lighter and fluffier. I, to me, I almost was like, it sounds more, and I hate this word when describing music, but it almost sounded a bit more mature and adventurous because it's like, uh, I, I wasn't, cool. I'll take that. yeah, I wasn't sure if it's one of those things where, because it's kind of the outlier thematically a little bit, if it's something that you were maybe a little trepidatious in putting in with the collection of songs you had for this. No, it was the opposite. No? I, I love pop songs. So anytime I, in my writing process where I kind of, find a, a, a quote a pop song that kind of i can think will fit for empty streets oh i'm stoked <laughs> you know all about it all about it and, and also you know i'm a 38 year old guy who's i've been on tour around the world i've done thousands of porn scenes like what do i got to prove i don't have to be cool i don't have to be <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to pretend like i'm super goth i don't have to i just am doing me and this is the sound that is produced when i'm left alone to my own devices to do me I guess that's something I've not really thought of. The, the thought literally just came into my head as you said that. 
I know making music, especially when you're writing and making all of it yourself, can kind of be a very self-isolating experience. Extremely. Given the fact that, and maybe not with uh, COVID and all that kind of stuff happening in the last year or so, but um, have you found that you've kind of been able to quote unquote live demo these songs out maybe on sets and just kind of get a vibe of how people are feeling a certain part maybe you're looking to kind of see or just kind of sharing your music in a different sense that way to kind of create a mood? Um, I don't really share um, stuff I'm working on too much because not to sound like a dick, but I don't really care what people think I'm going to do. I'm going to make the songs I want to make. And I'm happy that a certain amount of people like them and respond to them. And, but if no one did, I would still make those songs. <laughs> so, so I, I don't really do that sort of the thing. Um, but I definitely, you know, uh, I, I see and hear feedback once stuff comes out and I, I take notes, you know, I, I'm not an idiot. I, 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 listen to, <laughs> I listen to everything people say, but at the end of the day, I make music first for me. It's a selfish thing. I, I, I do it uh, as basically a form of therapy. Um, to, you know, to, to get my, my deep, my demons out. Um, otherwise I'd be a, a much more dark, depressed person, you know, in, walking around. And the, the reason why I'm very fortunate to, to be a, to not be like that is because I put all that darkness into this place and I, I make, I make it live in the song and then I, I, I can let go of it, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's just interesting. Sometimes when talking to a lot of different musicians, you know, People have kind of said, like, as they're working on something, they're like, ah, you know, you get so insular on a part and you're kind of questioning, like, does this part fit? Does it not? And you're kind of going back and forth. And sometimes, like, you know, I know bands will, when they're touring especially, will just kind of show, like, play out a song. It's not done. Right, uh, right. And then it's like, so you'll hear, you know, basically demo versions of vocals and so forth or a whole section taken out. And it's just kind of interesting to me, you know, because they might go, well, we played this song live. And then I noticed, like, no one really, like, that bridge section didn't hit the way I thought it was, but people right. seem to really like that core or the pre-chorus. So we kind of moved mm -hmm. some stuff around and just build the song to make it be better than what it was. So I just didn't know if maybe that was something that you uh, kind of did as well for your creative. I kind of, I kind of act like I, I play both roles. So mm -hmm. like usually in my process, if I write something, I think it's, it's good. I'll sleep on it the next day. I'll listen to it, but I'll listen to it wanting to hate it on purpose. Like what the <laughs> fuck, you know, let, like, like, let, like, what, come on, man. Like, like you, I know you thought this was great last night when you're smoking all that weed, but let's come on, let, let's listen now. And then if it's awful, I'll be hard on myself. And I'm like, no, fuck no, we're, we're throwing that away or we need to change it. Or if it passed the sleep test and I'm like, Oh, okay, that's still good. Then, then I know I got something. You had kind of mentioned a little bit ago, um, you know, kind of growing up listening to a lot of like, you know, gangster rap and stuff like that and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I I noticed in some of the songs, there's more of a natural cadence of a kind of a flow. Um, is that maybe a side of yourself that you would like, do you make hip hop beats on your own? Like, is that oh, a yeah. side we'll see coming soonish at some point? Oh, uh, I mean, I've been making rap beats for years just for fun and for my friends. And um, I do a lot of uh, film score work in adult films. So a lot of my ideas that are just instrumental um, are, are in a lot of these movies, just kind of playing in the background or whatever. Um, and so I think maybe subconsciously uh, in my, the way I deliver singing and vocals, I'm sure there's some influence from just a lifetime of listening to, to, to vocalists who are more about the, the rhythm than necessarily the, the notes, if you will. And I, I think that's a cool concept to, to you, you know, you, the voice is an instrument, it's a tool and it can be used in a billion different ways. And if you can sort of cherry pick all these little cool things from different 
singers, rappers, speak, you know, just public speakers. Hell, I mean, actors, you know, there's, there's timber and there's tone and voices. And I, I've always been obsessed with all the little intricacies of that. And I try to make the voice an interesting instrument, just like any other instrument. I just thought it's interesting to me kind of being the same, like being really big into hip hop and like R&B and so forth. And I always tend to find that those in the the rock metal, whatever, the out, outer fringes of basically rapper R&B, that when you're able to, you kind of can notice it when you listen to someone who's kind of influenced by it, even if they're not trying, because instead of, I feel like rock musicians or rock vocalists are kind of very like, well, that, um, I, that's really funny that you, all right. So I'm going to let you in. No one knows this. This is the first person I've told this to. So <laughs> there's, I have like a little secret formula for my empty streets songs. And one thing that is specific is no rock beats. Or, mm. or or try to avoid them, you know, as much as you can. And uh, oh, what happened? Are you still there? Hold on. Yep, you're good. You just oh. keep kind of getting it out. Sorry. Uh, is, it, is it better now? I had a call to try to yep. interrupt. No, you're good. Uh, so basically, when I when I make the, the drum parts for Empty Street songs, I either base them off hip-hop, pop songs, or like industrial, like like goth industrial club beats. Um and I, and I try to stay away from your stand, standard like rock and roll or punk four on the floor um, kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, I, again, I'm not saying there's none of that in there, but, but most of that's like a very specific conscious thing that I always do on purpose. And like one of the other uh, things is no happy songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Cause it's like, uh, I was watching, I don't know if you've seen it. I think it's on Netflix right now. The it's like this uh, bio of a uh, biggie. Uh, kind of talking to his mom, his like family and stuff like that, and kind of getting to know more of him as a mm-hmm. person versus like, oh, it's just, you know, there's Biggie and he does what he does. And it was really interesting in the story because like, you know, they talking through him, like through old uh, videos, because one of the dudes in uh, Junior Mafia, I think, was filming everything. Okay. Um, and so he's talking about how like he grew up on, you know, like sort of like you're saying, like gospel and grew up on, you know, jazz and grew up on like all this other stuff. And he's pulling out different influences so when he's kind of going over some of these older samples and so forth that are being used mm-hmm. he kind of has more of a understanding of like what needs how it needs to sound because he yeah pull from that and when totally. listening to this it's like i definitely hear some of the more obvious influences like you know i kind of figured maybe like a him or a david uh david from a uh, depeche mode and stuff like that but then it's like like I said, I hear some like hip hop cadences. I can't like pin it down to anything, but it's like, it's just little nuances that I'm like, all right, like that's not something. If you don't listen to that kind of music, you probably aren't aware that you're kind of like not just riding the beat right on the, like right on, like you're kind of riding a little behind or a little forward. And it kind of just, yeah. those things add really interesting textures and nuance to songs that as a listener keeps me coming back. Cool. Well, hey, I, that's really cool. I appreciate that you even picked up on that. Uh, you're the first one who has. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty funny because your Instagram story last night had so much hip hop. Like even my wife, like uh, I think it was uh, ah, fuck, I forget the forget the oh, song. Push it was, the yeah, it was Push Your T, but I think you had that one Fat Joe song, and I I can't remember what the fuck it is. Oh, now. all the way up. Yeah, all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as they like came on, like my wife was just like like kind of going. I was like, yeah, yeah, all the way up. That's right, Fat mm-hmm. Joe. Yo, you you can't deny the power of a good beat, man. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that's why DMX, when he had Swiss Beats doing all his shit, like, that's why he was just unstoppable back in the late 90s, early 2000s. X gonna give it to you. <laughs> dude, that was, I saw, I've seen him twice now in the last, like, five years, and yeah. dude's still incredible. Hell yeah. 
what uh so kind of changing up a little bit of you know just kind of talking more about things in general so obviously uh you and joanna have dooms uh dooms whiskey um now unbeknownst to me at the time when talking to her uh she had kind of informed me that you come from kind of that craft cocktail bartender world um how like were you in it before it really kind of has hit this boom that it's really seen in the last i'll say five six years or so yes uh basically so uh, I've lived a lot of lives, if you haven't figured <laughs> it out by now. And I've had about five different careers, and they've all been really cool and weird. Um, and basically, uh, back in, I don't know, when did that recession hit? Back in like 2005 or six or whatever? Yeah. Basically, okay. at the time, I was playing in punk bands, you know, not making any money. I had a, a job uh, striping cars at a graphics mm. shop. You know, I was out in the parking lot putting logos on cars and stuff. And then the recession hit and I didn't have a fucking job and my band wasn't making any money. And so I started, I picked up a, a gig just washing glasses at a bar to, you know, just to pay my rent. And I ended up just really getting into it and liking the the culture and the work. And I, within a year, I was like promoted to head bartender at this bar. And I, then I started really getting serious and I was studying to be a sommelier. I was flying to I've been to uh, Jalisco and tequila in Mexico. I've been to the tequila distilleries. I've been to beer factories in Germany. I, you know, I've been all over wineries. Um, and I was really studying how literally like the craft and the history of alcohol and spirits. Um, and it's really fucking fascinating um, because it's such a part of human civilization. All societies, all cultures since the beginning of time have had their form of like something fermented or a drink. And I just, the whole thing of it is fascinating to me. So um, for about eight years, I worked uh in these craft cocktail bars and also at like big crazy loud nightclubs because i wanted to get the the balance of doing both um and that's where i gained all my knowledge of of the alcohol and spirits world which led us to making our own whiskey so i I still haven't gotten the the dooms whiskey yet Uh, it is on my short list of other things to get we uh i finally got my deftones tequilas uh that just came out. So I'll crack open one of those eventually. But um, it was interesting because Joanna kind of made a comment that she was a little bit surprised at how I'm trying to remember her exact verbiage, but I'll, I'll just say nefarious. The uh, alcohol industry is um, she said it was <laughs> yeah. probably one of the worst ones she's ever been a part of. It's worse than music and porn. <laughs> did that surprise you or did your, thirst for knowledge going throughout and learning all about it from the just the essence of actually making things to then kind of maybe more of the business side of uh you know having to get shelf space and getting into bars and so forth did that part of it surprise you when starting dooms or were you kind of like nah i, I knew this is going to be this way um i i'm i gotta i gotta give my wife a lot of credit here because I never had to learn any business. So it was all her. <laughs> basically I created dooms. I made the packaging. I did the artwork. I designed the, the logos. I did the recipe with my master distiller. I'm on that end business. end. I don't know shit. Okay. <laughs> it's all my wife. So for me, it's been a very easy ride, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I think she's had to, 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 to learn a lot along the way, but because she's the Joanna angel and she's a genius. Uh, she's managed to, to just handle it, you know? So props to her. It just was one of those, like, I always find, cause I'm sort of like you, I, I have a morbid curiosity for a lot of things. And um, that's obviously why I, I probably do this and just talk to essentially strangers and sometimes bear things about me that I probably shouldn't. Um, same, but it was, same. <laughs> yeah. But it was one of those things where, 
I think, you know, everyone, you know, everyone has a coffee. Everyone's trying to do beer. You know, it's, it's kind of the thing. And I would, like I said, I was very pleasantly surprised to find that, you know, when she was like, Oh, I deferred all of that to you. Uh, Cause you come from that world. And I was just like, Oh, like, this is cool. Cause like, you know, like I said, living here in Michigan and Grand Rapids specifically, we have founders. We have basically every big brewery in Michigan yeah. is yeah. now in Grand Rapids other than Bell's, which is only an hour away in Kalamazoo. But to see the, the, the rest of the beer world, like we just won beer city again for the third year in a row. Um, and I think we've only lost the thing once, uh, since the awards been going around, but it's one of those that in my travels for beer anyway, I go places and I don't feel like anyone's as, as adventurous really as we are here. San Antonio has been kind of interesting. Um, but everyone just makes their stout, their, their porter, they make their base. And, even going out to like Washington, I feel like they had a great craft cocktail scene. You know, we went to a couple of tapas places. We went to a craft cocktail bar and everyone just really wowed me with their, their knowledge of the individual ingredients that went into something, knowing when something is in season and fresh and really elevating your drink with, uh, you know, food or whatever. And it's one of those that I think those that are able to do it well are just on another fucking level that most people aren't going to think of. So the fact that you've spent so much time in that industry and really wanted to learn, uh, I think probably made you be pretty adventurous with this because I mean, putting, I'm trying to remember it was, uh, it's not Madagascar vanilla beans. Is it? It's, it's, there's something in the, uh, in your whiskey that I was like, that's an interesting, uh, flavor profile that you're going for, for a whiskey. Well, we, we wanted, I mean, you got to stand out, you know, in a, in a sea of, of whiskeys. And when you're the little guy, um, my main thing was it had to be a hundred proof because mm -hmm. I, for just like branding purposes and it also, you know, it's a lot less crowded uh, arena in the hundred proof arena. <laughs> and it also had to be a rye because there's too many bourbons right now. And then it has to taste not like a hundred proof was my thing. Cause I like, good fiery like four roses single barrel like you know the, the good hundred proof whiskeys that are that just bring the heat but i'm aware that not everyone does <laughs> <laughs> so i was like can can i possibly truly make a good hundred proof that is also palatable to maybe people who aren't really that hardcore and i, I i'd like to think i did that. how long did it take to get the recipe right uh dude this is the whole process took probably five years. Okay. Uh, and I mean, like from just when we said, Hey, we should start an alcohol. Then I had to come up with a name and, and a vision and a, a basic flavor profile. Then I had to meet with freaking tons of master distillers at all these, you know, uh, small uh, distilleries, I, even up to Canada. I met a couple um, and all over the States. And then when I met the guy, I, you know, that we clicked with, then we had to, to get working and get going on the product. And, you know, and, and it's not um, when you're conceptual, conceptualizing something new, there's not something to reference. So I gave, you know, we, we, we would go back and forth with notes and flavor profiles and, you know, uh, different uh, mash bills and woods and this and that. And finally, when we got what, the sample unaged that I liked, then we had to age it for 26 months. And, and while that two years was happening, I was designing the bottle, designing the packaging. Joanna was doing all this legal shit that definitely ate up two years. Um, so <laughs> it, it's, it's such a huge pro it's the most like ambitious thing I think we've ever attempted. Um, and it, and it, I think a lot of the reason why people don't go into alcohol 
like you said, like, like they do maybe coffee or this or that is because not only is it, it's expensive to start up and it, you have to be patient. We had to wait fucking six years to have a, to have this shit in our hands. And that's insane. Like you have to really believe in what you're doing or just be crazy or a little of both to, to, to do that because you don't get any, uh, I mean, you don't get a return on your investment for, you know, we still, we still haven't made any money on the whiskey, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, like, it's just one of those things where we just felt like we can do this and, 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 and why can't we, you know what? Cause, cause it's a little scary because it's, a little intimidating. So what? Like, I'm not scared. Let's go. The worst thing that can happen is we fail. Who cares? If so, we tried. (laughs) I think the thing, if it wasn't during a pandemic that I was kind of looking forward to is seeing, and I mean, I guess you can still do it digitally. Um, I don't know the legalities of some of that stuff. Um, as far as if you can even make cocktails, uh, with people who might be underage watching. Um, Oh, you know, I haven't even thought about that. I don't know. I mean, I, because of my day job, I try to steer clear of all, uh, right, right, right. uh, Not family friendly kind of shit. Even, even if it's just whiskey, I kind of try to keep everything for the uh, over 18 crowd. Well, it's funny because like when having Willie from Lama got on, because uh, they did a non-alcoholic beer, and oh, that's I was, cool. Yeah, the the non-alcoholic space is getting really crazy uh, right now. Like I know um, a friend of mine is getting ready to open his bar, and he's uh, recovering uh, alcoholic, so he is bringing. In, I guess they make non-alcoholic spirits even. Uh, so you yeah, can they have, do. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen pop up at, at some of the fancy like grocery stores and stuff. Like- yeah, so I'm interested to kind of see what he's bringing to that space and just kind of, you know, another avenue for for people who want to enjoy cocktails, but, you know, right, cocktails right. basically. But was a thing where I went talking with Willie because even a lot of people I don't think understand that even though it may have an NA, there is, unless it's 100% NA, there's still that point oh 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 whatever the fuck in the beer. So I had even made the comment to, to Willie. I was like, I'm surprised you guys are just able to ship this. Given well, it, that, yeah, but there, there's this, there's same amount or more alcohol in like kombucha and shit, and that's in every grocery store. That's true. So it's, it's the same logic. I'm I'm gonna guess. I don't know exactly the legalities, but that's probably this. They probably fall under the same category or whatever. I don't know because like I know when I worked at Deja Vu like forever ago, we weren't allowed to sell old O'Doul's to the the 18 year olds. You had to be oh, 21, wow. and I was like, but it's non-alcoholic, and they're like, but it has the point, and that was their rationale, and I was like. What the hell is an eighteen-year-old doing drinking O'Doul's anyway? Go drink beer like a real kid. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember uh, playing some shows. Go and, drink natural ice like the rest of us did. <laughs> mine was Bush Light for a while. Um, we we did. We were Natty Ice and Molson, the Canadian beer, because it was for some reason in San Diego at the gas station by our shitty punk apartment. Molson and Natty Ice were the cheapest, cheapest beer you could buy. Molson, I know at our house because we. I mean, just like I think everybody at a certain age, like it was like four of us in a two bedroom <laughs> apartment. Yep. Um, but it was Rolling Rock and Molson, and Rolling Rock yep. is the fucking worst. Um, <laughs> God, it's so gross. Um, but it was just it's it's interesting because like I remember playing shows and like we would play you know churches and stuff like that, or and you know you'd see all these like straight edge kids at who are thirteen, and I guess nothing against being straight edge, but at thirteen. I mean, you kind of don't have a choice. You do. You can drink if you can get your hands on it. But in my head, I'm like, you don't really have a choice. You have to be straight yeah, edge. 13, you're just trying to find yourself. So, yeah. you know. But I remember someone uh, coming up to me while I was drinking in my van. And they were just like, are you drinking? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, why? And I was like, because it's fucking $8 for a beer in there. And I was like, out here, I have a 30 pack. And it don't cost, well, it costs me money. But like, I can just drink out here. Uh, the, the days of the 
the punk rock van tours. <laughs> I don't miss those. My body uh, doesn't I miss do. those. I, I miss them a lot. I love those deers, man. I had so much fun. <laughs> I remember one of the last tours I did, I booked it uh, for a couple of bands and I went with uh, the head, the headliner. Um, and I remember being like, Oh, this is really cool. But then I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I'm getting paid still. Like my job is paying me to take this week off to week and a half off work to go travel and go see shows and, and kind of like live the life for, you know, a week yeah. and a half. But I was like, cool these guys are getting by with what little bit I got, you know, the guarantee they asked for. And you know, that like we're going and playing places and it's like, yeah, there's no one here. Here's your like shitty frozen pizza. And you know, your $75 oh, <laughs> or man. I mean, if that fuck, I remember there were shows where we got, I, I think the most like demoralizing one was we once drove like from San Diego to Reno, like mm. what is that? Like 11 hours or something. And we were playing at some biker bar and not only did they hate us, <laughs> we, we also thought we were going to get the shit beat out of us. And then when it came time to get paid, the manager handed me an empty beer pitcher. and was like, you can walk around and ask if anyone wants to throw tips in there. And I'm like, yeah, right, dude. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, I, I do. I do miss those days though. Cause they're just, those are the, that's, those are the days when you're, you're young and like the world is just wide open and you're flying by the seat of your pants and there's no, there's no net. There's no, it's like, yo, we're we're living like outlaws we're in the van with my best friends we're, we're just gonna hit the road and see what the fuck happens <laughs> yeah um kind of one of the last uh things i'll touch on uh, to let you go because i don't know how much longer you have to, to do anything but um you know i I'd kind of been listening to some of your other podcasts over the years and so forth uh i really appreciate the fact that you you also have uh gotten into smoking weed in your 30s as opposed to as a kid because uh I recently in the last like probably two years have gotten into it just so I could fucking sleep. Um, and it was one of those things where like, I felt like an asshole. Like when people were like, Oh, you smoke weed. I'm like, yeah, to go to bed. Like I smoke like an hour before I go to bed and then sleep all night. I don't have to get up and pee or whatever. Like, <laughs> but it's like, it seems like that's not the normal thing. Like everyone's like, Oh, I started smoking weed when I was like 15. So. I mean, everyone has their, you know, their, their, their youth. Uh, I think cause I grew up in church and my dad was a preacher the, I didn't, there wasn't access m much for me to anything. Like, you know, we didn't have cable TV. We didn't have the internet. We were also really poor. So we didn't really have much of anything. Um, but I was pretty like closed off to all that stuff. So even if I freaking wanted to, when I was young, I, I, I didn't even know where to go or how to you know, how to get it. You know, I didn't even get drunk till I was 21. You know, I, I was, and not because I was like, thought I was uh, better than anyone else or, or so good. I just literally like, it just wasn't in my bubble, you know, in my, my, my world. Um, but the, mainly I started smoking weed because uh, doing porn, doing my, my day job, you can't be a heavy drinker and, and do, you know, be naked and in good shape and have good cardio. And, you know, not, it doesn't work that way. It's actually the, basically I had to quit drinking completely for about a year uh, when I started doing porn, just to get my body more back into shape and detail, you know, like this is a very physical job. Um, you're basically an athlete, you know, you just yeah. consider yourself that. And so uh, when I quit drinking, I couldn't, like you're saying, I couldn't sleep at all. And I was just like, damn, like I can't sleep. I guess I, I'm a bigger alcoholic than I thought, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so then I started smoking weed uh, to help with sleep, but man, I, 
I don't even say it like that. I just smoke weed because it makes every part of my life better. Like it, uh, my mental state is better. My creative state is better. I don't get munchies. I don't get sleepy and tired and I don't follow, you know, like all that cheesy shit. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very like normal part of my day for me. It's not even, and I don't, I don't feel like weird, like, like, uh, defending it or explaining it to someone, you know, yeah, I smoke weed all day. Just like I drink water all day, you know, <laughs> same. I'm on my, got my growler full of water. It's kind of interesting. Cause I feel like, I feel like the stigma is kind of changing, um, around it. I mean, shit, I was just listening to uh, Kevin Smith talk to Ice T or Ice Cube. I'm sorry, Ice Cube yesterday. Uh, because apparently now Ice Cube's got his own strain of or two strains of, of weed. Um, yeah, although I was kind of like, it would make sense, but I was like, I also don't really think of Ice as a smoker. Like, I don't see oh, him. Cube, Cube's a huge smoker, he's been from since day one. I, I've read interviews on like about him on smoothie sets, and he's just chain smoking joints like left and right. I think it's Which, just because I always imagine him as Craig, like basically where he like didn't smoke. So I'm just like, yeah, that's right, 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 how he right, is. Right, yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> um, is that something maybe a space that you would like to get into eventually as well? Creating your uh, own I've been, screen, I've, been a, I've been approached uh, by some brands. Um, I, the only thing for me is because uh, I, I don't like, how do I say it? I don't wear like shirts with weed logos on them. I don't fucking have high times posters on my wall. I don't, I don't, I don't worship weed like some people do. It's just part of my routine. It's just part of my day. So I'm not probably going to have like a strain or this or that. If anything, actually what I have been talking about is doing a tattoo healing cream with CBD Ooh. in it yeah, and TH and, and THC. So um, I might go in something like that if, if anything, um, but you know, I got enough on my plate. <laughs> I don't need to start <laughs> digging up holes in my backyard and growing. Weed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that actually something that you found has worked? Uh, I know there's a lot of like salves and stuff like that coming out for like, uh, tattoo care and stuff. I, and it seems like the CBD stuff is sort of coming out. I know I got approached by a company to possibly sponsor um, the show. And I was like, I'm not really interested in your like mints and all that kind of shit. But like, if you have a tattoo like cream and it works, like I would be about that. Cause like, you know, there's what I found works for me. And I always think that's the funny thing when people try telling you like, you know what you should do to take care of your tattoos. And it's like, fuck you dude. Like I have enough and I know how my body yeah. reacts to shit. So like, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Typically like sort of like you yeah. say, you got to know your body, but Correct. have you really been exploring that space? Cause like I am interested in finding it, but I feel like sometimes those products are kind of expensive for no more than you get. And then you don't want to be like, well, I'm kind of, I got burned on that one. Uh, totally. So yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, look, it, it, uh, nothing's happening yet. Uh, but if conversations lead to something real, I, I, I'm not going to put my name on something that I don't personally think is legit. Um, so I'm going to test some shit out first on myself before I, you know, start talking about it. Um, and uh, yeah, so. And then I guess, uh, lastly, where can, uh, <laughs> it's always kind of funny. Where can everyone find you or whatever you would like to promote online? Yeah, basically you can find me on Instagram at the small hands underscore, make sure it's the small hands underscore. Cause there's a lot of imposters trying to get laid, trying to pretend to be me. There's a ton of fake accounts out there. Uh, so make sure you hit the verified one. That's me. And it's home base for everything, for the whiskey, for the music, for the film work, for everything. Just follow me on Instagram and you'll be good. 
I do have a question for you. I just, I don't know where this came and popped up from, but I always, I think it's funny because I'm seeing a lot of, on Twitter today it was trending and I saw a lot of backlash. So OnlyFans obviously is a big thing that a lot of people are doing right now in the industry. And and I, I forget who it is. There was somebody, maybe it's Cardi B who had one and it was just like, I'm not going to get naked. I'm just, I, and I don't know what she's posting, but I saw, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to get her name wrong. Bad, bad baby. Is that her name? Uh, sure. She, the cash me outside girl. <laughs> oh, uh, sure. I know the song. I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't so, <laughs> okay. I was gonna say, I, I know she, I guess is a rapper or whatever she does. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess she just turned 18 last week, started an OnlyFans, And I guess in one day made over a million dollars, like of it or six hours and six hours made a million dollars off of it. And a lot of people are up in arms about it, but it's one of those where when you necessarily gonna say when you see because obviously you're not following it but when i guess you hear of something like that happening do you feel like it i don't want to say lessens what you do or do you feel like it either what are people upset about what are they up in arms about that she i guess has made a million dollars in six hours for i guess at the so they're just mad that she's making crazy money is there like a is there like a, a are they mad because they think she did it in a sketchy way or something or I don't know. Like trying to read some of the comments, it's it's hard because like you see some people who are like, get that fucking money. Like, so why why are you mad that someone made money? Secondly, like if it's about the fact that potentially she'll do topless photos or end up going down the porn route, which some you know, main quote unquote mainstream people, I don't know if she's mainstream, but um I don't know if that's the thing where it's like, well, you were this. And because now you're maybe going to be dipping into this other realm, like now you're taking yourself out of the mainstream and going to something that people don't want to support or think is lesser than. It sounds like they are supporting her. She made that much money. And that's, it, sounds that's like what I, ton of, it sounds like everyone is supporting her. I know. And it's one of those things, though, too, that I'm also seeing where people are like, are we forgetting like all the people who are thirsty as shit trying to go on her thing? Like that she legitimately was underage less than a week ago. And now you're like. That, that to me, is what stands out more than the money same. she um, and And to me, that's more a reflection of of us as a society because she wouldn't have made that money if nobody had signed up. But, but guess what? In one day, a ton of fucking motherfuckers signed up for whatever they thought they were going to see or, you know, whatever they, whatever it is. And that to me is more concerning. Uh, Like this girl is, is 18 years old. She's, she's a young girl who's, who's, doing whatever she thinks in the moment is, is, you know, best for her, her career, for her financial, you know, I don't know. I don't know this person. Uh, but it's these, it's everyone who was like waiting with their credit card, you know, like uh, that's, I frown more on, on everyone who signed up for her shit than her. Let, you know, leave the girl alone, let her do live her life. And if you don't want to be a part of watching a freaking 18 year old rapper show her boobs don't pay for it don't sign up for it and if nobody (laughs) and if nobody does guess what that shit will end quick like you know what i mean like 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 that's the fastest way to to if you feel a certain way about this kind of stuff to to shut it down which is don't don't support it with your money or your your subscriptions or whatever it is and and i and i'm not saying people should or should not support her because i don't really know anything about this it just seems to me like 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 it's uh it's creepy. Like, you know, like, like you just turned 18, you have every legal right to, to do this thing. And, and that I, you know, I, I have my own like, mm, 
you know, I, I'm not your dad, but nah. you know, I, I also, I, per, you know, I'm in porn and I personally think the age should be 21 for, for like, I think 18 is a little too young. Um, that being said, there's individuals I've met along the way who I, who are fine for the, this job. And, you know, uh, it, that being said, there are individuals of all ages that I've seen that are, <laughs> that, 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 are, that are good, good, that are good for porn. Like you've got the right head for it and, yeah. and that's bad for it. Um, so I, I don't know, man, about this only fan stuff. The only thing that kind of makes me feel a little uneasy is so many people just jumped on this basically child's thing. Um, yeah. and that's, that's, that's gross, man. I, it's something where I feel like it's a classic problem with Americans, uh, to me personally, where, you know, the Simpsons made a, a great, I think it was a Halloween of horror episode where like the, the advertisements came to life and then they're like, Oh, you just don't look. And then it goes away. It kills them because if you like, essentially, if you don't watch an ad, that product dies. Um, so same thing. Like it was just kind of weird timing for her though. Cause I did see some stuff coming around in the last like couple of weeks where, you know, basically she was saying like, I'm not that, that meme. I'm not the cash me outside thing. Like, you know, they edited things around to make me look like this bitch who didn't care. And then I'm like, but yeah, but then you fed into it too. Like, you know, you profited off of your 15 minutes of fame and extended it another four years. But then it's even, you know, when I think about shit like that, like we're in this whole free Britney thing. Like, I don't know if you've seen or gone down that rabbit hole at all, Yeah, but it's like, you go down that and you just see like, you could say like, oh, she's kind of whoring herself out or whatever for this OnlyFans for money. But it's like, but she's essentially had that been happening to her since she was underage. So how yeah, is no, it I, any different than letting her take control of it and give the narrative that she wants now officially? It's not that different. Again, I'm, I I think the biggest issue isn't her. It's yeah. it's it's the people who <laughs> funded that million dollars she made in six hours, you know? Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah. But I think I think the thing I was trying to hit on just to kind of wrap up the point in case I knew mm. people were like, that point didn't make any sense. But it was just more, you know, you're starting to see more, I guess, you know, people that are largely known uh, in the entertainment industry starting to kind of go do the, these things. And mm-hmm. do you feel like it's actually providing, giving credibility maybe to to your industry or is it kind of maybe lessening it a little bit? Mm. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, obviously there's more, the more mainstream and more normalized, you know, sex and, and sex work and sex entertainment gets, obviously that makes it just more, more normal, more, more acceptable and more, more of a, not a big deal. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, some of these celebrities, I think, um, don't, realize maybe the arena they're stepping into um that's already been established and kind of like like um like when bella thorne started her only fans and i know bella she directed me in a movie last year she's she's cool super cool girl um and you know i i saw the backlash she got when she started her only fans and so you know i i, I don't know man i i just I don't even really have, I don't have an OnlyFans, so I don't even care. <laughs> you know, I, I, my wife has one that I'm a guest star in sometimes. Um, I, like everything, OnlyFans is is a tool, just like Twitter, just like Instagram. And like any tools, if you're smart and clever and work hard, you can use them to better yourself, make money, do whatever it is. And like other tools, 
if you don't know what you're doing with them, you can hurt yourself. You, can hurt people. <laughs> you know, like, like you don't give a, a freaking inexperienced person a blowtorch because, you know, but but with, in the right hands, that blowtorch can do some magical shit. So I, I view all of this stuff just as, as, as tools to, to further whatever I want to do in life or, or, you know, get me where I want to go. So I don't really give a shit about OnlyFans itself at all. It's just another tool. <laughs> You should, uh, I would, as a cheap plug, I know you have a million things that you, you do. Um, in the few podcasts I've listened to that I found you on over the last like couple of years, your mm-hmm. is very interesting. Um, and a lot of the different things that you're interested in, I think, you know, I feel like I could talk to you for another two hours, just kind of about your, your, how you grew up, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how it shaped you and, and kind of those things. Um, and I'm sure on some other podcasts I'll find maybe you have, but I feel like that's an avenue maybe that you should look into is just kind of doing your own podcast and just kind of shooting the shit and kind of telling more of your stories. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love to, I love people. I love to chat. I like to hear about other people's, you know, experiences and walks of life. Um, uh, if someone wants to approach me, you know, I, I'm, I got too much going where I'm not going to start something myself, but if, uh, if anybody listening out there runs a company or anything, wants to, <laughs> to set up something, I'm always open to the meeting. Um, <laughs> uh, it's great talking to you and, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I'm looking forward to everyone else getting to hear this out, this EP and, and I guess whatever else you have coming, are you actually working on, is there already plans for a follow-up already? Uh, I, I'm tracking the last song the final vocals uh this week for this cleopatra release and then that's in the can and then uh you know probably in about two weeks i'll have another song written for whatever's you know whatever the next record i, I write i never stop I'm, I'm writing all the time so well i mean that's that's been the funny thing uh you know talking to lee from boy Novo osiris like he was like i have a whole solo record another solo record done we have the born of osiris record that we were supposed to drop last year and tour on we're already halfway through the next one um, and you know, like just kind of the same thing. Like I was talking to this dude, Austin Mead, uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was like, he was literally in the studio when we were doing the thing. And I was like, what, what are you doing in the studio? He's like, oh, I already writing the next record. And I was like, yeah, well shit. And I was like, I mean, I know that a lot of people, like I'm still sitting on an episode from about a year and a half ago. The band still hasn't put out the record that they were done with five months before that. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like, I know that in this industry that that's, the unfortunate thing and when people do press like you can sometimes tell when someone's like yeah this was cool and they don't sound as into it because it's like yeah we had this done for a year and i've been (laughs) listening to this for a year wait until i get to tell you about the shit i'm working on right now that you're not going to hear about for another year and a half so we're always perpetually behind uh with a lot of these things so it's always funny when talking because like we're talking about an ep that's not out technically but i'm sure you're already writing more stuff that we may or may not hear you know, until next year. So yeah, no, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this record soon enough. <laughs> I, I don't like to sit on things for very long. I, I get very antsy and impatient. So I, I, I like to be prolific and turn shit around quick. <laughs> well, fair enough. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks brother. So that's my chat with Aaron Thompson, AKA small hands of empty streets. Again, their EP age of regret is out this summer via Cleopatra records. Sounds like it's going to be dropping around his birthday, but 
Uh, if I've learned anything in the last year is you can never really know when something is officially going to drop until there is a street date. And then even then, that's not always like 100% guaranteed. So uh, I want to thank Aaron for coming on. Uh, if you are interested in checking him out, it's very simple. Twitter and Instagram, as you heard, the small hands underscore at the very end. Uh, there are a lot of people impersonating him uh, as he has been making mention of on Twitter the last uh, few days as of when I'm recording this. And uh, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff coming out from Aaron at this point. Uh, as of when I'm recording this, uh, you can go everywhere and hear the collaboration he did with Ophelia. I know how to say it when I look at it, but I'm just kind of like hesitant. I pronounce it uh, Venement, V-E-H-E-M-E-N-T. Uh, if you go to his socials, you'll see the link uh, for the video in his bio. So I want to thank Aaron again. Uh, just a, a really fascinating dude, as I said in the intro, and as you heard, uh, has lived a, a bunch of lives. I w could talk to that dude for hours and hours. Um, I think the story about how he grew up is really interesting. Uh, I have gone and since checked out some of the other podcasts he's been a part of and other interviews, and I definitely think there's uh, some cool stories that he, he always has. I mean, anybody who's worked in the, the service industry, especially as a bartender, probably has just insane amount of great stories, uh, especially, you know, also being a musician who has toured all over the world. And I'm sure the adult entertainment industry, I have a lot of stories from my brief time working at a strip club. So I can only imagine what he's got uh, basically uh, at his disposal for, for just stories. Before we wrap this episode up, uh, I do want to talk about uh, a beer I'm drinking. Um, I came home after going to San Antonio with my wife and hanging out with uh, Mark from Nothing More. I was gifted some beers to take home. And uh, if you follow him on Untapped, Mark that is, um, you'll see that he has been drinking these uh, Martin House uh, Brewing Company, uh, these various uh, lactose, sour lactose beers. Um, and this one uh, that he sent me home with uh, was a fucking home run. My wife uh, had some the other day and loved it as well. It's an orange cinnamon roll. It's a lactose sour with orange and cinnamon. It's basically like, exactly like it sounds, like an orange kind of cinnamon roll. The sour isn't so sour. It's kind of more on that like orange flavor, like the little tartness of the orange. And then the cinnamon, like sweet cinnamon roll flavor on the back end just is fucking phenomenal. Uh, pretty much every single thing that I've had from uh, Martin House Brewing has been, especially in this series, has been phenomenal. There was a green apple sour that I had that I posted on my untapped. It tasted basically like a sour Jolly Rancher. It was fucking delicious. Um, so I definitely would say if you are in the distribution area for Martin House Brewing and anything sounds remotely good to you, do yourself a favor and go pick up any of their beer if you are of legal drinking age. Um, but this was a home run uh, for me, and I'm especially glad that my wife liked it, and I'm glad that we still have like basically a six-pack left uh, or a five-pack at this point left of it because uh, I will be enjoying the shit out of this. I, I guess Marcus turned me into a sour fan. I, I hate to give him credit because I've l basically shit on all the sours he used to drink and be like, sours are just gross. I don't like them. But I think he's I think he's found the sweet spot for me for sours. So uh, if you're into that, do that. Also, Doom's Whiskey. Uh, I was able to get my bottle uh, finally after talking to Aaron. Uh, it arrived about a week ago. It is surprisingly good. It is a bit of a fiery whiskey, as he said. It's a hundred proof. It's a rye whiskey. I'll have to post the video I took of me actually uh, trying it. I'll post that on our socials as well as the can of beer uh, with this episode. If you would like to follow us, very simple, brewspeakpod.com. Go there. That's the landing page for everything. Uh, you can find the video of this up on YouTube. Uh, you can listen to this however you do. Rate, review, subscribe. Everyone always talks about that. You know why it's important. 
And uh, last but not least, our sponsors, thanks to rockabilia.com. Use our code BREW, get 10% off your total purchase order. On Point Palmade, use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And last but not least is the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head on over to thebeanbastard.com and get you some delicious coffee. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will talk to you guys next week with Mark Holcomb, a periphery, and I'll hint, maybe there's another podcast on the horizon? Question marks? Stay tuned and find out.